This is a warning, another cut to move on. Another beat that's so strong, hold on, and I get wicked in this song. Stir up shit is the wickedest wisdom. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the RT Podcast with George Costin and Rich Pelton. Here, we're going to discuss BMX, business, and the sport that brought Rich and I together, F1 racing. Get ready. So here we go. Episode one of the RT Podcast. It's almost World War Three. Tangent and Renan are together on an on a podcast talking about BMX and just in general, just life and everything else. So, Rich, how's it going? It's going good, man. We are uh, just plugging away here. The almost World War Three thing is, uh, yeah, it takes up quite a bit of quite a bit of time. And I watch watch the highlights of that or the lowlights, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so that's fairly consuming. Not a big fan of uh, what's going on there, especially yeah. with uh, with Vilma being. You know, from the Baltic states there. I mean, she's from Lithuania, so she's just right there. Uh, they don't border Russia, I don't think exactly, but I think yeah. they do uh, Belarus, Belarus. So, um, yeah. like her family and uh, family and friends, I mean, they're legitimately concerned, you know, cleaning out the basement and just in case kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and as it pushes further and further and goes longer and longer and they get closer and closer to NATO, it's got to be uh, really nerve wracking for them, you know, because they were just, you know, under that uh, USSR back in 91. So, I mean, it's fairly recent, you know, definitely in, in her lifetime as a kid and, and her parents' lifetime for sure. So that's not the funnest thing. I mean, uh, but, uh, you know, we just just watch and listen and hope for the best and, and hope for the best for the Ukrainians and all that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, here it's, it's, you know, unfortunately, unfortunate that, or not unfortunate, wrong word there, but like odd that, you know, we just sit here doing our normal thing and they're, they're getting beat up. It kind of, kind of sucks, but, but, you know, we are, uh, we are doing okay over here. BMX is, uh, it's been healthy. The NorCal scene is good. We've got the, uh, number one, number two track in our area. So that keeps us really busy, uh, with our retail fronts. You know, we have the national trailer, we have a local trailer and retail in-house and then web. So, um, we've been able to stay pretty busy through all this. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Just day to day, busy, busy, uh, get ready to start a bit of a summer tour swing and, uh, yeah. That's where we're at right now. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had asked you about Vilma's family uh, a couple of days ago and stuff. And, yeah, I can't even imagine. I think uh, being here in the United States, it definitely you need to sit back and, like, definitely appreciate where we live and the fact that we are, you know, sitting here concerned about – you know, our, our, the luxury of having our BMX businesses, you know, doing what we love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy what's going on in the world right now, but hopefully everybody makes it through this and uh, hopefully, you know, things kind of go back to a little bit of normal over there and, you know, hopefully yeah. it doesn't uh, get any worse than it currently is, but yeah, it's all we, all we can really hope, hope for, but yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely not the best over there. But yeah. yeah said, hopefully just, just keep kind of hoping and yeah, I don't, I don't know what else we can do. I mean, well, everybody's doing as much as they can. It seems like, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, helping with the aid and all that. And everybody's leaning on everybody else, leaning on all that to, to do more military stuff. So, yeah, we yeah. just sit here and see and, and make bike parts in the meantime. It does seem <laughs> exactly. like it does seem yeah. it's not, you know, what we do isn't even really that important to anybody. <laughs> it's a, yeah. we're, making, we're making parts for a, a youth hobby, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So not to bring the podcast down, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we make um, really, 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 really nice bike parts. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but so so the purpose behind what we're trying to do here is to give a different perspective from the other podcasts that are out there. Nothing against the other podcasts, but there really isn't any podcasts that have people inside the industry who own businesses 
talking about day-to-day, you know, goings-on and, and whatnot. So uh, we're going to structure this podcast talking about BMX, talking about our businesses, which is Renan and Tangent, and then finishing up the podcast talking about F1 racing. So with that, our BMX segment, you were in Houston. Tell me what was going on. Ah, Houston was awesome. It's uh, It's been on the calendar for a few years now, and it doesn't tend to be a, a huge amateur race in comparison to some of them. I don't know why. The, the facility is amazing. It's a rock star, rock star branded and, and partially funded facility, I believe, with the sponsorship dollars. Um, so there's rock star all over, and that, that's really cool with us being uh, you know, the, the rock star uh, rip tangent team. Um, so kind of our partners in crime there. So it's neat to go see uh, a facility all branded up like that. But this year in particular was cool because a lot of the foreign pros came over to race it. Um, and I mean a lot, like it was a mini world cup. Uh, There's a lot of big names. Uh, and you this- had uh, you had two or three foreign uh, tangent pros there, right? Who are they? Uh, yeah, we had Mathis uh, from France. He's our newest rider. After we lost Romaina a few years back, we kind of just been waiting for the right guy to pop up. And which Romaine? There's game. like uh, there's like five Romains there. Oh yeah, well, well the people that yeah, I guess they don't know. Well, Romaine Mayu. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I co-sponsor uh, a Romaine Mayette. So yeah, yeah, Mayette, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. from Spad. Yeah, he's a cool dude too. Um, yeah, yeah, Romain Mayu. So that was a couple years ago. He moved on to a, one of the bigger clubs in France, and so we kind of had a not a void, and it's not really big thing that we have to have you know foreign riders but we like to try to be expand a little globally and just you know expand our market and our you know our, our brand awareness um but we haven't had a big guy over there for a while we've had parts guys you know we, we have sylvan andre and then there's some other um some other names over there that aren't quite as household but um over there doing stuff for us but we uh had the opportunity to grab mathis and upon you know being highly recommended by his peers and some industry people over there we picked him up so yeah he was a really good pickup for us he had a really good weekend uh, we had fede here uh, viegas most of the people are familiar with him he's been racing in the u.s off and on for a long time yeah so he's from argentina but he actually just uh, a couple weeks ago moved here permanently he's got his visas almost all finished up and he's going to spend a couple years here chasing the american dream so he's foreign but he's moving forward he's going to be um the domestic rider and then uh, we had bodie right. t over so he hasn't been here in like five years, and we've been working with Bodie for the last uh, three, four years, um, doing some Australian marketing from us or for us. We have a little bit of a Australian market share over there, and he wants to make a push. You know, uh, he's got his, he's got a few years of gas left in the tank. He says so. We struck a deal together, and he's mostly going to be in Australia, but he wants to start doing World Cups and uh, you know racing in the U.S. here and there. So. We got him over here. So, yeah, those two or those three elites. And then we had some of our amateurs here. And then a bunch of our tangent equipped riders also, you know, guys that just run tangent parts with other frame deals. Uh, they were here. So, yeah, we had a really good show of uh, athletes, uh, team riders, and uh, the, uh, you know, the cartel. So, how did, uh, how did the team do in team uh, series stuff? Because, you know, uh, I don't have a team anymore. So, I, I need to get yeah. my tips, So, we don't, well, yeah, you know, we don't do like, quite like you to like, you know, a main focus on, you know, winning a title. We, we don't even put in sheets every weekend. Um, it's only when everyone's looking really strong. I think we, we only had four amateurs. And, oh, okay. yeah. like, in the, in the world of what you did, uh, couple of them had aged up i think two or three of them had just aged up so we weren't even we didn't turn in sheets didn't care it's never been last year was the first year we actually turned in sheets and uh didn't turn in enough to where we actually had a i think we got number three in the series we don't we've never even done that before it's not uh yeah you guys were doing good you guys were in second at grands and then yeah yeah they kind of 
for us, it's got to all come together. We don't go out and just hire the number one hitter. You know, we have a type of person, you know, we, we they, they've gotten to where they are. So they're already good or obviously, but it's not about, about winning for us. Um, a little yeah. bit different marketing. It's about personalities yeah. and, um, you know, that kind of thing as well, as well as, you know, what they do on the bike. You can't, you know, not make mains and shit, obviously, but, um, yeah. we're, we're a little bit different. We're not, we're not out, you know, getting the, you know, grabbing the hired guns to get a title. It's just not, it's not our format. It's never yeah. really, you know, been more of a culture, um, core, you know, lifestyle brand. And, and yeah, that's, that's what we care about. I don't like the pressure of, you know, putting the pressure on the kids like that. Um, it's more just have fun. If you do well, you do well. And, and last year we did well enough to get third. So that was really cool. Yeah. We, li- we literally never done it before uh, like that. Yeah. We tried to cheat here and there. So this, this was one of those where we didn't really care. We were mostly on the, we had three elites and four amateurs. So, yeah, it's just tough. It's like why why waste extra money for the for the team yeah. seats? We you never know. Sometimes you got to pay attention though, because sometimes I've been to races where you know they announce like three factory teams. That's all that uh, registered. So you, you <laughs> yeah, go with yeah. the fourth spot and you get a little bit of fourth place money. You know, in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know they, they probably we probably could have, but I don't yeah. think we would have had a bang up sheet. We had some crashes i like i don't i i me personally i don't even do the sheets i, I don't even bother with it it's not even yeah. on my radar. Yeah. It's, it's tj does them on the west coast and felker does them on the east yeah for me i would never even consider even dealing with it if it was, if I was <laughs> yeah. there managing the team i wouldn't even run them i wouldn't care yeah yeah <laughs> that um, is something on a future episode i, I do want to talk about is uh like your kind of uh i guess approach to sponsorship versus what i did in the past or what i'm currently doing now and stuff like that because i think that would be a good topic in the future to discuss on one of the podcasts because it is two different approaches and uh for sure i bet you everyone uh would be interested to hear that so yeah, I'm sure a lot of the the dads and, and the people you know, like have the kids that are kind of. I mean, it'd be good for all levels, but more of those kids that are like, oh, that bubble. Like, how do we break into that next little level? You know, there's a couple ways. You know, there's yeah, for sure. You know, there, there's there's levels. You know, where you talk about the you know your team was top level, my team's top level, but at, for like for a little bit of a different reason. And then there's you know the supercross they don't i don't think they run tons of sheets but then you got full tilt where it's like either win or go home you know yeah your your team was a little bit more like that i don't know how aggressive you were but i know it was like you know you you, your kids need to be winners like you know i I definitely was aggressive for sure like you can't win (laughs) you can't win titles unless you're aggressive and everyone you know so so that would sorry that that definitely be a good one for uh for the up and coming dads or, you know, even just for even people new to the sport or, you know, that intermediate team, like, you know, what does it take, you know, because Vilma has uh, her little rim team and that it's literally just beginners and kids she coaches and they start moving up the intermediate and she, she's starting to have kids leave her team later like, an expert and go to like the next little level team. So it's, uh, it's fun to see her. She's like, Oh man, I lost her out. I was like, try losing a double a pro, you know, a world cup. <laughs> <of league." laughs> you know, you just lost an intermediate. <laughs> How about trying to get a kid and offering him the world and, and then, uh, getting responses back. Like, well, if I can't ride stealth hubs, I'm not going to ride on your team. Oh, God. Like, Are yeah. you shitting me? Are you shitting me? Are you, you serious right now? <laughs> She had, oh, to deal, she had to deal with some tangent equip riders. Like, well, I still need to run some Renegades once in a while. I'm like, that point, that point two, dude. I'm telling you, that point two is in your head, bro. Look at your oh, leg. Oh my god, oh, that's so great. I <laughs> so love that. That's a whole other, whole other topic down the road. It's yeah, for sure. Run, yeah. the Ren and placebo effect. <laughs> <laughs> Not placebo. No, I know. <laughs> we can uh, measure it. 
Um, so yeah, that's definitely something we can talk about. Um, yeah, one of these down the road. But back to Houston, uh, I oh, think yeah. from what they were posting, I think it was the largest race that they ever hosted in Houston. I think it was something like 250 motos, correct? It was. Uh, 220 to 250. I can't remember exactly. I didn't know, but I've done forgotten already. Um, it was their biggest one. Yeah. It was yeah. the biggest one in Houston. And there was like 40. So I went there more for elite support. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't met, I hadn't met uh, Mathis. Uh, I hadn't seen Bodie in five or six years. Uh, uh, some of our other guys, you know, Silva and Andre was there, Romain. We just picked up Saya on Tangent Equipped. Uh, Eddie Clerte is now running Tangent Equipped. So a bunch of my, you know, when they go home back to their back to their countries, you know, I, I just wanted to give them a pit space, hang out with them all, chit chat. You know, I brought a lot of product over to get them sorted out, and so I was there mainly for the elite show. Um, yeah, and yeah. support my poor kids, of course, but I go to the ones where there's I like to, you know, where I, I handle in our our little world here. TJ handles the amateurs, and I handle the pros. So yeah. uh, I want to just go say hi to everybody. I know I go to a lot of them, but not a lot like that. I mean everyone was there and it was it was cool it was cool to see that kind of racing on uh on the u.s on, on home soil again it was it was really really cool it was exciting uh this this next one at rock hill should uh deliver as well just i think just a few of the frenchies went home uh just because they have a, the a season opener for the french cup is also this weekend so there's a couple of them that you know still want to do get their home country titles as well so yeah, are you frenchies. are you going to rock hill no 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 I okay now, so i can't just bolt all the time yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i don't i can't just be like oh, i'm going to rock hill and you and my wife be like what to babysit pros i'm like well <laughs> I, I, uh well no i mean uh. <laughs> yeah so, and she knows obviously you know being a 17 year lead herself but but now i do got a little one so i don't get to just just up and bolt for fun so, but, yeah but no, i, I would like to go just because, man, that was good. It was fun. I, I really, I get along with all those guys. I'm still, you know, I'm still on scene. I'm still uh, the the guy, the go-to guy, you know, um, when it comes to those guys. So uh, I really do enjoy hanging out with uh, those elites, and, and you know, I consider a lot of my friends now. I've known a lot of for many years, so it's, yeah, uh, it's always fun for me to go do that. Yeah, yeah. I was considering going to Rock Hill myself, but uh, if I go to races nowadays, like because I don't have that sort of you know, I'm, I'm not that heavily invested in, in, you know, sponsoring elites or anything like that. Actually, we we debuted the only factory running rider last weekend in Houston, which is uh, a return back, Brandon Crane, who uh, wrote to me on Answer Running. But yeah, so we're fully supporting Brandon for the year, trying to make a push for the Amateur Cup. You know, we're uh, kind of coming back into it a little slow regarding that, but definitely an interesting hook someone up no yeah. i definitely think for you yeah congrats on that and uh stoked to see you come back you know like you've got a you've got a lot from the sport and you did give back a lot but now you know second round to give him back and to give it to brandon is a really cool deal you know he's a west coast rider so i see him all of our pro-ams and nationals I, I see him quite a bit and then he's good friends with two of my team riders the romero family and then the scranton family so he's around a lot a really really good kid man and he's quick so he's definitely yep. got a shot at that title and uh, i've always enjoyed his company dad's you know got a cool dad as long as you don't piss him off and uh <laughs> <laughs> i get along i get along with them great i picked him up when he was nine years old when he was on Redline challenge and yeah. uh it's always been great and uh when i kind of learned that he was going a different direction in 2022 i wanted to make the offer i don't it's certainly something i don't have to do 
I don't feel like I have to do it, but I want to do it and want to have that one rider support and presence. So, you know. Yeah, it, 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 I think it'll work well for you. Brandon Brand has been a big name forever. And, you know, Grindle, the announcer, obviously he, he loves him. So he just gives him shit and talks about him nonstop on his lap. So last couple races, he's, you know, he, he hadn't announced who he was riding for and he's keeping it a secret and, and then I, I told you I found out, you know, yeah. kind of work around. And you're like, oh, dude, how did you find out? Blah, blah, blah. But I, I hadn't told anybody. But Grindle was uh, announcing, like, who is it, buddy? You know, you got to tell me. I'm going to keep hassling you. So every lap he's hassling him. So then before the last race, I don't know where we just were, Bakersfield or somewhere. Phoenix, I think. Oh, yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. yeah. We were in Phoenix. And um, I told Eric, he's like, ah, I was thinking something like that. So that, so that all those laps, he's like, oh, I found out who it is. You can't keep it for me. <laughs> so, he, he kept, so he kept on with the hassle. He's getting more, more uh, airplay than anybody just because you know the, the the mystery of it. So yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, uh, that's on that. He's a good kid, man. He'll do you right. Yeah, and we weren't purposely trying to keep it hidden for that long. We were literally just waiting until he had a jersey ready because yeah. uh, you know this all came about pretty fast. So uh, part of the deal was he wanted to try some different brands like he's riding a speedco he wanted to uh, ride tangent bars and spend so you guys hooked him up and appreciate that and uh he's back on fly which he hasn't been on fly since he was like nine um so there was things like that that we had to wait to get all these clogs in motion before we could go ahead so it just looks better to have a package yeah it was like a a big hiding it thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some people may have thought that it was going to be like that or, or whatever, but we weren't really trying to do that. But for sure. Um, but yeah, I would love to go to Rock Hill, but if I go to Rock Hill, I want to be in one of these situations where I can go ahead and set up my pit and bend. And I just feel honestly super guilty because of the amount of back order that we currently have, which we are like banging through right now. And it's kind of tough for me to show up at a race where I haven't delivered on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gears to some of our vendors. And, and you know, and, you know. so <laughs> in that sense, I mean, it's not, I mean, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I mean, I guess you do run the machines. I don't really run them anymore. So I'd be like, well, the kids are still running the machines, man. The buttons are being pushed while I'm sitting here. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, I don't necessarily I, I don't run machines here. I'm definitely uh the Haas repair technician though. Uh that's for damn sure. So uh anything that happens in this shop, if, if something goes awry, I'm the one that has to uh, go ahead and fix it and, and straighten shit out. So yeah, I'm saying saving her. No one really knows how to do a whole lot uh on that end. <laughs> I do all the tool changes, uh, you know, the uh, job that, I'm teaching one of the kids that cause I just, I don't want to screw it up, man. You screw up a tool change and blow the next thing up. So yeah, I do most of those. I'm teaching one of the kids to do it, but then all the fixture changes, you know, we change the sprockets, the stems or whatever. I do all that. Um, so I, but I've taught them, I've taught them enough now where if, cause we run a, we run two shifts. We run the, I don't know what you call it, swing or whatever. Um, we have someone here from eight to four and then from, four to 11 so the the kid at night can you know call me on messenger or whatever iphone you know whatever and we can walk through him doing stuff so we've gotten through a couple little pinches like that but every once in a while it's like all right we'll shut the machine down we'll fix it in the morning but we have you know run two machines and lasers and packaging so there's always other crap to do so it's not never the end of the world but yeah i hear you when something goes wrong i'm really nervous we're coming up this summer tj's going on a fuck i want to say a six or seven week tour and then it's during worlds when i'm going to go to france so there's gonna be 
no, you know, no main leadership in the shop for yeah for a few weeks, and it's gonna be like, oh man, if something goes, I'm gonna come back. No machines running. Secretary yeah, come run, coming out of her ears. <laughs> yeah, uh, I took I took uh the, for the first time in a long time, I took a vacation last summer to Disney, and and like I I did something dumb, which is uh you know the shop here. I, I'm sure if people follow us, uh, it's in my yard basically. And one of the things that I got nervous about just at my house was uh, leaving the water on like, like the main water coming into the house, because I know of people and I've seen and, and, and had personal experience with horror stories where people went on vacation, their toilet cracked and it doesn't have like a safety. It just keeps on leaking. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and I've seen like, you know, half a million dollars worth of damage done to a house because a toilet leaked all weekend, you know, yeah, on the third yeah. floor of a, of a building and just nobody was there to turn it off, you know, and I, I'm like, I was like super paranoid about something like that. So I went and turned the water off in my house and, um, and then I'm down in, uh, I, I wasn't even, I think I was on a layover flight and I got one of the guys here in the shop texting and he's like, Hey, we got no water in the bathroom. Like something happened. And then I thought to myself, like, damn, the house water that I have here is piped directly from the house over to the building. <laughs> so when I turned off the main water, I, I turned off all the water in the shop, which we need water for obviously the bathroom and everything else. But we have tumbling machines and things like that. And I had to tell this guy, I, I had to tell this guy how to get into my house and go into my basement to find the water valve and turn it back on again. And uh, luckily, luckily, I have like the only people I have here working for me are my friends, my personal friends that I've had for like 20 or 30 years now. So, uh, you know, there's no worries there. But uh, it's just things like that that have happened over the years. That's just kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. Luckily, uh, it's similar here. It's. XBMXers, you know, uh, one of my good friends, uh, wife's uh, another kid, you know, friend of the family. So we don't have any, we don't have any real strangers here. So that's that's always nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, you mentioned tangent. You got two machines there, two yep. Haas machines, correct? Correct. And uh, CNC laser engraver, and and that's like your main uh, production equipment that you have. So yep. so. What is it that you actually make on these machines? So we got the the VF2. If you want to go backstory, a brief backstory, we got the we got the VF2. I don't even know, fifteen years ago, because we wanted to make sprockets. Um, it just in a nutshell, we we made pads and plates. You know, way back in the day when when that was a really popular thing, and kids ran plates on their bikes all the time, and you could sell a lot of pads and plates, and and pads were required. Um, so we, we we did really well with that. We were kind of just tinkering around with like okay we're making enough money let's this was a i mean basically started in the, in the bedroom kind of company you know well literally not not kind of it was literally in the bedroom so we we're starting to tinker around with some aluminum ideas and all that and then they they uh, got rid of the pad rule so you did not have to run pads anymore and i don't remember what year that was but it was way back and we're like oh shit that's i don't remember the income fifty sixty thousand dollars worth of shit we we're not going to have anymore and you know with really good profit margins and back yeah. then, me and TJ dicking around. I wasn't even TJ wasn't even around yet. So, me and my buddy, well, that was plenty of money between that and plates. So, like, you know, we just we're just goofing around in our you know mid twenties, and it was fine. But so we were like, well, shit, let's take this money and 
And that's around when I hired TJ, like, let's move into the aluminum market because what else can we make? And it's like, oh, let's make handlebars, let's look at making grips, and then sprockets and stems were the next things we kind of looked at. Seats, grips, bars, sprockets, stems. And so we started just sourcing the stuff. You know, I made my first trip to Taiwan in 09. So this is probably a little bit before that. We were looking at making stuff here domestically, and it was gnarly. Like, you know, do you, you, you just roll over to a normal shop, and they're like, oh, our shop rate's 80 bucks an hour. And then – yeah. Um, we can't you can't make a bike part for that like and yeah. sell it you know <laughs> or dealer level i mean it, it's like it comes out to we pay the retail price for it yeah um, yeah and that was that, that was that many years ago i don't even know what like a going shop rate is now for like job shopping but so i was looking at i think we first you remember um snap i'm sure yep that yeah, guy so that guy, the snap guy yeah greg so he's uh he's just down the road from us about an hour and a half mantica and I knew another racing buddy that worked with him, Mike, and he and he was like doing some programming, dicking around with us, making some stuff on his, you know, buddy's machine or whatever. And then he linked us up with Snap, and then he started actually producing the stuff for us. Um, but it was expensive; it was hard. It was still like, you know, Snap was his priority plus his job shop work that actually make the real money. Um, so we ended up just getting uh, Haas uh, instead of just doing all that shit, you know, going through all those channels and trying to get them to do this and them to do that and waiting months. And I, I didn't know anything about machining. I done like some CAD work, like in high school, like before it was even CAD and, and I graphic design. So that's, you know, X, Y, Z stuff. And then I'm not a dummy. So I told my buddies like, you, you give me a hand. I'll figure the machine out. I'm not too worried about it. You know, you give me the programs, teach me how to run it. I'll, I'll figure it out. So that's what we did, man. We just, he would come in once in a while and, you know, we're just loading material. Then I just started learning. I was an MIS major in, in college as well. So I knew how to read code, just, you know, general computer code. So, uh, you know, Haas code is really simple. So, you know, X, Y, Z in the yep. position. So yep. I just kind of taught myself how to, you know, read the codes when there's problems and just started troubleshooting, trial and error, screw shit up, blow up fixtures, you know, like <laughs> figured it out the hard way. And then, um, yeah, we just, we've had that machine, 15 years making mainly sprockets just every day making sprockets yeah <laughs> we, we can pump out about four an hour you know give or take yeah and then um then this this last year with all the production problems in taiwan and our domestic sources so you know, like stems and chain tensors and stuff like that we'd make them once in a while on our machine but it, the machine is really slow you know it's a you know older vf2 um so it's slow to make that kind of stuff you're talking 30 40 minutes to make a stem so you we need to make stems like a month to make a couple hundred you know so it really just chewed up our time and then we get behind on sprockets so yeah we, yep. we were sourcing the stuff for a vsr and looking at some other places and then i was like you know what even the domestic sources got like they're well dude looking at you know 10 12 weeks i'm like oh my god dude like so i just called haas up and said hey guys where are we looking at and they had a, a brand new vf3 that was one of their demos so i gave it to the price of a vf2 it's like all right my paper looked good enough They're like yep looks good like, put it on the floor <laughs> so and that one's you know quite a bit more tech than the one i have it's archaic so i have another yep. buddy now that does all my programming uh and actually an old bmx friend so he understands the uh, financial you know, difficulties we have, so I can't pay him what he's worth either. But he's been he's been great, man. He's a he runs a shop that has seven haws. It's a job shop too, so I mean he has to he has employees under him. All the the way he does his paperwork and all of his shit. He comes in with pads of paper like here's your programs, here's your tooling list. Like 
like if he was handing it to you know a, a worker at the job shop here's your yeah. setups and then he was teaching me how to run the the vf3 because like i said it's quite a bit more more technical so yeah uh, i've just been lucky to have good people around me you know like because that machine was i i I've hundred grand that thing ended up cost me, you know, by the time I got it here tooled up and all that. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to, I'm putting a lot of faith in you. You know, you're going to be here. <laughs> like, cause you know, you're, you're here to help me. He's like, dude, I got you, man. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to set you up for failures. Like you buy this machine. I'm here hundred percent. Like I come on the weekends. I can come after work, get you dialed in. Cause we just need, we just need to be able to low material. You know what I mean? We don't, yeah. We don't, change a, we don't change a lot. So, yeah. Uh, once you get a program dialed, then yeah, you need to exactly. teach an operator how to fix mistakes yeah. and we've been, you know, we've get it run, set up. We've been, stems, we've been running stems for two months. We, we like have all of our stems in stock. Like we've never yeah. ever had that before. So, so now we have the one to run stems, chain tensioners. Uh, we're getting ready to run our, our mini cranks. Uh, it'll run like it'll run a uh, disc brake adapter, stuff like that. We've had it for a year now, but. Now that we actually have stuff in stock, we have we haven't been able to keep up with it. So it's like shit. We almost need a third machine. And then the other, the old guy, the old girl, just keeps making sprockets because yeah, the old know, rich material is super simple. The programs are proven for fifteen years and just just cranks them out. Yeah, yeah. The old girls are nice when you treat them nice. Uh, no, every no, no. every now and then they get a little bitchy, and then you gotta you gotta work it. But no, it's it's yeah. had X Y Z ball screw all bearing packs. It's had uh, a new spindle, new transmission. Everything's been replaced. It's an, So it's just an old shell. <laughs> so I have four Haas machines in here right now. I have a VF1, a VF2, and two mini mills. The two mini mills are brand new. We just got them in September. And then we have a Doosan lathe, which is a really badass machine, and a uh, Thunder CNC laser. We got that last summer, I believe, or maybe maybe the summer before. Yeah, the summer before. But yeah, the the VF1 that I have in the VF2 are from like 97, 98. And I uh, just replaced the shuttle motor on my VF1. I had to go through that. And, and every day, like I have something like that happen. I just keep on telling myself like, man, I just need to get rid of these things and uh, like replace them with new so I don't have to have any headaches. But at the same time, like it's nice not having a, a machine payment, you know? Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> yeah, so I've got one I've got one hefty machine payment for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to just like get rid of that VF2, you know, because mine's a 99 or 2000. Yeah. Get rid of that VF2 and get a new VF2, you know, or, or yeah. Or yeah. I actually, I'd probably just buy a new VF2 and leave that one there because we could – definitely use three machines right now that's the thing we don't know it's how to it's tough to forecast right now because we don't know how long all these ball-ups are going to be you know when is taiwan production gonna get back within 12 months when can i source stuff out because i don't mind sourcing stuff out i mean we don't make as much money but you know it's it's a lot to to stock the material to have the humans to run the the machines so it's it's really a trade-off and what do you want to do you know like yeah um, Yeah. most most brands we're one of the only what me you profile the only brands that actually make stuff. I'm not sure they're like, you know, the four people that listen to it don't get offended if we missed your brand. And, and that's <laughs> in race, you know, there's S and M and brands like that. But I mean, I don't know yeah. off the top of my head any of the any of the, any of the bigger names that that actually make their own stuff, or at least some of it. You know, obviously we don't make eighty not in BMX, uh, not not in BMX race for sure. There's just us really and you know i for one like i don't want to make anything in asia nothing against anyone who does that i think it's a good option and solution but for my personality and also my capabilities it would drive me absolutely nuts putting (laughs) my product in someone else's hands and having them do that like 
I'd rather fuck up my own product than have somebody else do it because that would just drive me nuts. And yeah. uh, so, and then, you know, with my background and everything, I have no issues. Uh, yeah, you're, you're an engineer. That's, yeah. It's different for you. I'm, I'm not. So, you know, yeah. we have to work with designers. You know, I have 2D designers, 3D designers, and I've worked with several, you know, people to help us with our design. So we have a, a guy that comes up with the the concept and then we take it to, you know, whether it be, Avon Sothin or now my new guy that, you know, he 3D cat it and then you can go to fixturing and all that. Or if it's something we're sending to Taiwan, because you can't make a seat in America. Just the, it's almost impossible, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, even the stuff we can't make in America, we've continued to, you know, like the aluminum parts we make now, we make our grips in ODI and that's, that costs twice as much to make in, in, than in Taiwan. And we still make those here. We, we, we want to make stuff in the U S but yeah. some of it's not feasible and some people just don't want to pay for it. And so it's just, you know, you're not going to make a, a seat post in America I, for, for a, seat, a feasible amount of money. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So. I mean, if you decide, if they decide to get to the level of like a Thompson seat post, because like Thompson's in uh, yeah. Georgia, I believe, uh, or North Carolina, one of the two. I remember visiting the factory years ago, but you walk into that place and they have thousands of mountain bike seat posts being cranked yeah. out every single day, you know, and yeah. all kinds of specialty machines. It's really cool. So a it's, a nine-year-old dad isn't going to buy a hundred and twenty-dollar sepo, so you know. So true. Yeah, not <laughs> all of them, but some of them will yeah, yeah. essentially. Uh, but we need the volume to stay in business. I can't make two sepos. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. So but yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean that's and that's why we make stuff. You know, you you have your own inventory control, but you being an engineer, you can piddle around, which is cool. So we can we can kind of start to a little bit with our new guy because he's so accessible. So we can actually come up with some ideas and then pass them over to him and he can uh he can do stuff for us or so we're not you know completely just waiting on hoping somebody or, or paying someone a lot of money i like i like to work with people that i know you know so yeah. we've, worked with, we've always worked with kids that are or people that have been involved in bmx and yeah. that understand the rigors the 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 the, the stress that gets put on the parts so yeah i've dealt with people in taiwan they're like oh you, you bmx so BMX in Taiwan, if you're not with the right agencies and manufacturers, BMX is like a category in in when they when you say BMX to a, a random Taiwanese agent, that's a category, a category or a class of bicycle, which is youth. So I mean that could mean a huffy, you know, like, oh BMX, yes, a kids category, you know. So they don't make the stuff strong enough right out of the gate. So you really gotta, you know, if you're some future, you know, wanna be a BMX business, which is a highly don't recommend but um, <laughs> you know there's a lot of weird little things like that when you start working with people like oh no this is plenty strong plenty strong You're like yeah no it's not they're going off this eight meter hill and they're jumping <laughs> 30 feet at 40 miles an hour like oh what is that never yeah seen before. you know one of my vendors makes this random part that does not related they'd never seen that kind of stuff like oh my gosh no way like okay we kind of understand it's like you know you were getting drawings with wall thicknesses or stress tests like yeah it's not gonna work there's no way <laughs> yeah yeah so, people got to be really careful and and, and I, honestly one of the things that i hate seeing right now because for a while people were saying like you know who wants to have like a frame business because like there's a million every team in the united states like has their own frame brand this and that yeah. but that seems to be transitioning to now carbon rims and yeah. you know it's like people opening up these catalogs ordering carbon rims and throwing their their logo on it yeah uh, it's just like mind-boggling you know that that is going on right now but yeah. um, you know there's, there's 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 different classes of carbon rim too yeah uh, they all they all pretty much work but a lot of the ones that the 
you know, the mom and pop teams, whatever you want to call them. They're just, they're like, um, their rims made for uh, like folding bikes and commuter bikes. They're not super, super strong. The, yeah. And they, I've seen people running into problems like, like, cause we have a, I mean, a standard 30, 30 open mold rim as well, but it's made by a BMX company. Like they make BMX rims. So it's layered thicker. It's, yep. it's made differently. We've had, we've seen people with the China rims where the, the V brake, that, that area just all burns up and collapses yeah. because there was never supposed to be that kind of pressure on it. It's a commuter bike. You know what I mean? They're not going 30 miles an hour, coming to a dead stop, all that kind of stuff. So they definitely run in a little bit of that, but I'm sure they correct that as they go. Um, yeah, yeah it just, it's easy. They're just open molds. It's just an open mold deal. And some companies, like my company now that makes mine, they won't, we've got to be like several hundred pair. I don't know what the newest quote is, but some of the companies will make 10. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, China will make 10. So yeah, that, that to me is kind of crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully cool. that kind of stuff gets, gets curtailed a little bit because anybody that's doing that sort of thing, you know, it, it, it's like we're doing this because – I mean, obviously, we both could be doing other stuff in life, and, and but we do this because we love BMX. Yeah, exactly. You know, definitely could be doing more lucrative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But but uh, yeah, I just man, I I'm still here because I dig the people, I dig the sport. I've had so much fun. I mean, I've spent my whole adult life in this, and I, I really still still hungry for it there's no there's no really letting up. You know, we go through you know you know peaks and peaks and valleys of. Uh, you know, aggressive, like, you know, go get them spirit or whatever you want to call it. But we're, de- we're always here, you know, and it gets just because we have the trout, the touring trailer, it can really, you know, it can eat, eat you up after a while. And TJ takes a brunt of that, but you know, we definitely have like highs and lows. It's fun to be out on the road. But then you get home. It's like when you're home for four to six weeks, which is our biggest gap, you're like, Oh man, I got to get going again. We'll be gone for two months, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, don't, sure. I don't do the long trips anymore, but you know, TJ still does those and travels with the nevises and, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to our company, man. We do uh, a lot yeah. of things, man. It's crazy. We could do all kinds of little podcasts or chime-ins with the little crap that we do. But yeah, I mean the the yeah, road burn is, is a real thing, you know. Like when I was running the team and we were chasing, you know, 20, 24 nationals a year, and wow. and you know the pit space has to be there, and you know you got to get riders, you got to pick them up at the airport, you got to do all this stuff, and it gets uh, it gets to be much. So for sure. Yeah. But the Haas aspect of this is a good transition for yeah, what we like to do. Your boy K-Mag. K-Mag, that's right. He's back. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, the, the end of this podcast is going to focus on F1 racing. And uh, Haas, which is a CNC brand that Rich and I invest in, has an F1 team. And they just brought back a rider after they got rid of their Russian rider because of all the stuff going on right now. And it's pretty exciting to see that uh, these guys are doing pretty well right now. What do you think is going to happen for the season? Uh, man, I don't even know. I just swallowed 10 episodes of Drive to Survive over the weekend, though. <laughs> I know. I did I did eight on Friday night in the last two Saturday mornings. So. Yeah. Is there only 10? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was 10. It said next episode, but it was season one of one. So, yeah, we watched uh, – me and Vilma watched the whole thing. We watched two on Friday and, like, eight yesterday, I want to say, or three and seven. But – for me, it's, it's it's just a big recap because I watch it, you know, like avidly. Yeah, and then I watch yeah, yeah. tons of YouTube recaps and interviews and stuff like that. But the, the one thing you don't get is all that behind the scenes. Like I could just watch that stuff all the time. Like the, you know, like I'm a Danny Rick fan just because I love, you know, Aussie athletes in general. But, yeah, uh, you know, his breakdowns and meltdowns and stuff like, you know, that that's I found that nowhere. 
and I'll click on anything that Danny Rick, you know, like an interview or a or yep. a, a an update or something. And there's nothing like that, you know, him just sulking in the corner, or wanting to throw shit, and you know, had no idea Yuki was like a little bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like I mean, little kinda... out of shape, little little whiner. <laughs> it's so awesome to see the behind the scenes aspect of it like uh one of my favorite parts was was the episode on the, and and if anybody hasn't seen it yet like a little spoiler but there's an episode on Nikita Mazapan which is the Russian uh driver who just got dropped and it's perfect for the current scenario because obviously this was all filmed last season and he's he's complaining about the car so much on the track. Gunther turns off the radio and says, that's why they all fucking hate you. You know, so, so, so good. good. So, so good. good. <laughs> yeah, there's a good couple of, I don't know what the fuck they're Yeah, Gunther's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we probably shouldn't spoil it, I guess. But um, what do yeah. I think? Man, I don't know. You know, uh, K-Mag had that good for on the hot. We'll stick on the, the Haas for a minute. Um for those of you who don't know, they, they didn't they didn't invest in their in their season last year, so that's why they suck so bad. But they're probably gonna suck anyway, but they suck really bad because they, they invested no money into the current car to, to stay relevant in the this title series because they're putting all their money towards twenty twenty two. Um Haas being yep. one of the lower, lower funded teams. So they didn't really care. And it, it hurt. They're just like, Well, we got rookie drivers, let's just let them drive, let's let them do laps, let them, you know, get around the track, com- complete um grand prix which they didn't quite a bit but uh yeah then they kind of revamped and got rid of the Mazpin and put k-mag in and i was never a huge fan i didn't really get to know that that athlete but uh he always seemed you know aggressive and was pretty quick and him and grosjean got into it a bunch so that's always fun to watch yeah. you know like just that behind the scenes stuff's always fun you know like yeah the behind uh, the scenes get along, you don't get along in uh, season one of Drive to Survive, K Maggie became a, a driver I really like because there's the scene with Nico Hulkenberg. He's given a, an interview, and Nico tries uh, giving him some shit on the camera, and he literally tells the guy, Suck my balls, mate. And, and he's just like, <laughs> perfect, perfect. It's like what I would say to somebody at a race, you know? Yeah, no uh, shit, give Suck my balls, mate. <laughs> I don't care if so I'm on TV. good. So yeah. good. But I like the drivers who have like an attitude, like Verstappen, K Mag, Sebastian Vettel uh, is another driver that I really liked. Uh, he had a race in Montreal one year that he basically felt like he was the one who won. And when he parked it in, and he was supposed to park in the second place spot, he grabbed Lewis Hamilton's first place spot and dragged yeah. it over and put it on his car. I love stuff like that. I, I remember that scene for sure. I don't remember exactly why and all that. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah 2022, it should be interesting for us. I mean, they popped off some laps uh, last weekend in Bahrain, so that was good. Uh, you know, what? Uh, K Mag was in the top one or two the first day, and yeah, uh, Schumacher, and Schumacher second, ended day three, second. second day. Yeah, they, yeah. I didn't see there was an asterisk, there was it was after the normal practice, you know, because they had that four hour makeup time or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, but still, yeah. I mean, they still had to do it. So, yeah, I know. Mean, I mean, the Haas to be dead last in every single race last year to be putting up some kind of times like that is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, and this year, too, you know. It's like the, you, ne- you never know how much everyone else is pushing, but it seems like I would think this year they're going to push a little harder because they really don't know what those cars are going to do, you know. Exactly. So like, it yeah. seems like they're going to be trying to put up some some high speed, some some really good laps because like they have no data, they have no they have nothing, so they can't just fart around. And go, okay, yeah, we're 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 bringing the heat next week because it's our you know twenty twenty one car. Like it's not, it's a brand new rig, so they've got 
they've got to find out so much stuff. So I don't think they're really slacking. I, I wouldn't think, you know, I don't, I don't know, obviously, but I wouldn't think, you know, so I was it could, talking, be, it could be legitimate laps. I have a engineering intern who's, uh, who's working here right now. And uh, he's an F1 fan. He's a Lando, Lando boy like you. And we were talking this morning about Mercedes, whether they're really, whether they're sandbagging or, you know, is, is this real? Are they not doing well? They typically do sandbag from, I mean, I've been pretty avid the last, I'd say three years. Um, typically they do do that. And Lewis was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. So that's typical, but the new circumstance being the new car, like you don't, I don't know, maybe it could be, could be a little more realistic. So yeah, I would I would imagine that by day three of testing, that uh, they would have tried to bring the heat in the last couple of laps or something, but it really didn't happen. So I'm not sure. I'll tell you if if Mercedes comes out and they do blast out some laps, they have big balls to hide that during testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to not know and then push the cars like that. Yeah, I'm curious. So is it this week coming up or is it next week? It's this weekend, Bahrain. Yeah. So we're, we're fucking. We got FP one couple days thursday thursday morning the whole shebang starts so track track walks (laughs) you know you're bad if you're watching the track walks (laughs) yeah kind of the worst thing that ever happened was like good fidelity like internet because you could be sitting there doing like quickbooks or paperwork or cad modeling or modifying g-code or something and can have like f1 running for eight hours straight on the other computer so I try yeah. to do that for I try to do that for qual for uh, practice, you know, Bahrain, and I just I just kept, kept watching it too much. But I need I need TV for <laughs> away. Like I just my laptop's next to my main screen, so it's like I just look too much. I need a like you have that TV up and away, yeah. So you know you're not you have to like physically make a like a neck change to move to look at it. I need something like that where I don't just like look over and get you know drawn into it. <laughs> oh, that's just the TV that we have out in the shop because uh, one of my one of my machine operators he's not working here anymore, but one of the guys that I had was a big F1 fan, so I put that TV up there literally so we could hang out, watch racing while he's like getting stuff done. But yeah, now yeah. I'm watching it like in my office and stuff, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it is a time sink sometimes, or time sucks sometimes that uh, you get trapped in that. But you know, I do wake up early and I try to watch it like when it's on live. Um, so I, I even this Sunday uh, I have my kids this weekend, and I uh, have hired a baseball coach to help my son with batting and everything on Sunday mornings. And I had to actually I moved the baseball lesson to the afternoon so that I could watch Bahrain because. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, I paid, I paid, uh, you know, so I just watch it later. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not an early bird, man. Not, yeah, well, my... You know, it's on that time delay and it seems like they do everything for the United States, like East coast time, like 8am. So for you, it'd be five. So that, that's, you gotta be dedicated. You gotta be hard, hard, hardcore to be up at five watching that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with uh, just watching it whenever. Because usually, like, either Vilma's like, because Vilma likes to watch it too, which is crazy. So, you know, she's been watching it because she's European. They've been, you know, her dad's watched it her whole life. So, I'm uh, not like super, super avid, but like, you know, knows about it, knows past drivers. And so, yeah. she's, uh, we watch it together a lot now. Nice. Yeah. I have to get banished because uh, Gina hates F1. So, uh... <laughs> The other go, day, my options were my, my my options were either come out to the shop or go watch it in my son's room. So I went and did that, <laughs> but, and, yeah, and no, I did that on Friday night. I did that last Friday night. Didn't have my kids. Sat on my son's bed and I binged eight episodes straight. So that's awesome. <laughs>
Ah, good shit. Yeah, for sure. But hey, uh, we're approaching almost an hour here. I know you got stuff to do. Uh, let people know uh, where they can reach you, and you know, I'll do the same, and we'll wrap this up. What was that last part? Where people can reach me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, how can they follow you? You know, oh, what, oh, what yeah. business well, do you we, have? <laughs> you can follow follow us on tangentproducts.com. You already know. You already got to know by now. Come on. You don't have to tell them because they're already following you. Exactly. <laughs> we got eighteen thousand, dude. You got. 1100 or something <laughs> yeah you know i i don't have a good i don't have a good presence i don't have the cartel i have like yeah you know we've got, like, we've got a small army mine is not a cartel mine is more like a, a small group of thugs that will stab you in the neck so um <laughs> yeah so, well this is cool i think i mean chat i don't know if you know we might get four to five listeners but that's cool um <laughs> we could probably i mean it was a lot of just chit chatting back and forth because we're new i mean we could probably try to stay a little more focused on a certain topic but there's yeah, just i'm when sure you, when you start we just bullshit around so much but ah, that's cool to me if someone wants to listen then then cool i think for you you know because it's mainly you know your little brainchild that you might bring in some other people once in a while you know like see if see if uh you know, like some of those heads that you had in your little post. TD's like, oh, dude, your head's on the Renan thing. He's like, are you doing that today? I'm like, I think so. I go, what are you talking about? He's like, you don't follow Renan? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. Because <laughs> you I'm don't to, Hold on a second. Like, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Instagram right now to unfollow you. So you don't, but you don't, you got, you don't post anything. So I, like, I followed you. You're following now. I go, okay, cool. But you know, it might be fun for you to like once in a while because my availability and just having shit to talk about, it's like, you know, we'll get long winded, but, uh, or getting a lot of repeat stuff, but we'll I make I, it happen. This is called the RT podcast, not the R and somebody else podcast. So we'll, well, but, well you know, like, well, you we'll know, work you around watch, your schedule. Maybe we'll get a guest to fill in or something. You so. watch those. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, you, you watch those daytime shows and they always have, you know, Kelly and someone else, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, You're trying just, to replace like, yourself on day one. What is going oh, on? Oh here? no, 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 not right we now. We need the fans to say that they want Rich on the podcast. You know, <laughs> they want right. a nice I'll porno stash. So I'm here for the I'm here for the fans. So whatever they want. <laughs> all, all, all right. Four of them. <laughs> all so right, I'm George from Ren and BMX. Follow me because I don't have a lot of followers apparently from Rich. So let's try to bump the numbers up here, and uh, you know. Well, we're going to see how often we can get together to try to do this, but I had a blast and, yeah. you know, we'll see how it goes. Good chat, boss. Um, catch you on the next one. See you, man. All right.